you got to make as much get rid of that white space on that resume you know what i mean that's what they say they say clutter it up just hand them a big black piece of paper as your resume <laughs> be like look at all the things i've done i tried to fit it all on one page and the paper's black <laughs> i would hire someone if they handed me a black <laughs> sheet of paper only on every- one side like yes. it's very clear they printed it out <laughs> oh, yes here's everything i've done one inch margins <laughs> of black <laughs> that was pretty funny that was really good welcome to the crunch the only podcast that pronounces vacuum like triduum it's your boy ethan that's one of my oldest tweets and i can't believe you stole it (laughs) i think i think i made that tweet before you nope 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 Nope. i I did it yeah i came up with that joke before i met you that's not even true let me just no no let me okay now i'm I'm looking at this is we're fighting about this this right no i've done this before mom and dad are getting it i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm gonna make that joke i'm i'm going all the way back to 2013 and all the way through 2021 um oh okay well that's disappointing wait here we go (laughs) here we go i found it April 14th, 2017, all caps. Yo, why isn't vacuum pronounced like triduum? Beat that. 2017? Yeah. I bet you can't. I bet yours isn't older than that. Hold on, let me see. I'm going to make, I'm going to have to edit all of this out. All of it, you're just looking and looking and looking for a tweet that doesn't exist because I made it before you. 2018, damn it! Let's go! No, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Tweet supremacy, 2021. Oh, this hurts. How does it feel being late to the game, making the most basic Triduum joke there is? Oh, that hurts. Welcome to the party. You don't understand. I've spent my whole life (laughs) thinking that I made that up. I made it. It was one of my first tweets. 2018? Get out of here. That's not even even possible. You were out of college when you made that. That was. That's not even possible. Well, it was late. Wait, hold on. What? When in 2018? Yeah. What? What month was it? Yeah, it was. It was March of 20. I was. Still that's in probably. College. That's probably when I was there. You probably made that joke. You probably heard me say that when I was there over spring break, and then you're like, "Oh, it's really <laughs> funny," and then you tweeted it. Everything. This whole podcast has been a lie. Everything that Patrick says, he hears me say half a second before mentally, oh, and then he just says it again. He just repeats what I'm saying. This guy. Get at it. How does it feel? Sorry. 20, that's, that just hurts. 2019. Uh, hello, Twitter. Did any tweets make you sad today? Link them below and we'll talk about them on hashtag tweets that made me sad. <laughs> that's retro. Oh, my gosh. That sucks. Dang. I need I need to quit the podcast. I, I know. I, okay. Might have to take a break. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely devastated. This is, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> You guys remember that podcast where Patrick uh, totaled his Crashed car? Crashed his car. This is going to be <laughs> this is the this worst thing, worst that's, ever thing that's ever happened to Patrick <laughs> on the podcast. Your tweet in 2017 was the worst thing that happened to me in 2017. <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Yeah. So this is the only podcast. This is, well, I, let me rephrase. Welcome to the Crunch, the only podcast with a co host who comes up with original jokes. It's your boy, Ethan. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sad. 
That's that's such a that's I, I'm saying this all in jest because Patrick comes up with way more original content than I do, and so is that the case? <laughs> it's, no, I think that's absolutely true. I think you're way better at making jokes and things in articles and blogs and tweets than I am. But the this only is the one good joke I've ever made on this podcast was the lizard joke. That's true. That was really funny. When real really lizards funny. die, fake lizards go and multiply. Um, it's really good. But when uh, this is the one time that I, I beat you out, I got gotcha. you. Take no, that. remember that one time that we both tweeted the same thing and you got more likes than I did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also think it's because I was single at the time and you were not. I think that had something to... Fair enough. Yeah, I that's that, true. I wasn't able to it. thirst trap with my rosaries. I, all I did on Twitter before I deleted it, which is which is to say before I started dating Emma, was thirst trap. <laughs> I was, uh, I've repented you, you, of these your things. Relationship, your relationship is... Uh, is better for you having never been on Twitter during it. Phoebe yeah, still yeah. hates Twitter. Even the mention of it makes her very upset that it just exists. Yeah. yeah. I I will say there there are two things in my life that have made me a much more virtuous man. The first one is Emma Slominski. The second one is getting Twitter out of my life. Like those <laughs> are the, the top two things that have that have actually changed my life. Honestly, yeah. I you can I can literally see a difference between like the before Twitter and after Twitter. And like after Twitter was pretty recent. I <laughs> That's mean, my favorite Alistair McIntyre book. <laughs> what <laughs> after Twitter? After Twitter, what what is that? I don't know Alistair McIntyre books. He has this book called After Virtue. After Virtue. That's really funny. That's a really funny (laughs) joke to a couple of people. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, But I I like like fully checked out of Twitter in 2020. Yeah. Thank goodness. I got out right as the whole COVID thing happened. Mm -hmm. Like I think I deleted it right before that year. And I was just like, thank goodness I'm not on Twitter right now because I think it would have driven me as, as upset and as mad and as angry and everything that I was feeling during March and April and May of 2020. I think it would have just been amplified. Oh, so hundreds folds by if I was on Twitter, like, thank goodness. Like my, the Lord was very merciful, was very merciful to me because of that. I was just constantly refreshing Twitter. Like how many, how many people are taking it seriously? How many people are taking it not seriously? Because then mm-hmm. I can know what opinion I can have about it. Right. Um, I, I think that the, the tweet that made me finally, like, here's the thing. I was, I was reading, I was trying to read St. Augustine. I remember this. I was trying yeah. to read uh, Day Doctrina because it was for my class that I was starting grad school. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> they agreed to, they agreed to fund, the diocese agreed to fund me fund my grad school study right before nice. <laughs> COVID. Nice. So nice. Um Snack but I was trying to read and then like I couldn't focus because I was like, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. does anybody have any idea of what's going on? Are they shutting down the country? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, I'll I'll learn. I'll figure it out later. You know, I think the I think the um the tweet that made me get rid of it was Kyle Helmick. He tweeted, I love how everyone all of a sudden is an epidemiologist. And yeah. I was like that's a new word that I've never used before. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you use it a million times in 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, man, the cooler heads always prevail. And I think you can, there's a, so I did see someone say, and maybe this is a tweet that you sent to me or, or I just saw it somewhere, but it was like, there's just a marked difference between people who are online in 2020 and people who are not online in 2020. They're just two different kinds of people at this point. Oh yeah. And you can just tell the difference. So, I'm yeah, oh, yeah. That. and and you can you can and you know what the you know what the difference is? Tell me, Patrick. Opinions, not up or down. Opinions, 
not what those opinions are, just the 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 strength with which opinions are held. Like the absolute like anger that someone is like, if you don't or if you do this thing, you are a demon. You know, it's like yeah, it's, it's the, impressive. The the it, there it's there are a lot of vectors out there. A lot of people with both magnitude and uh, uh, direction, uh, direction, direction, and that's that's what we love, right? You, I would like to be a dot on the Cartesian plane. First yeah. of all. I'm still mad at Descartes. Second of all, don't make me a vector. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Anyway, other than me reigning supreme in our uh, years-long Twitter feud of who can come up with the best joke five years ago, uh, <laughs> how you doing? How's it going? How's life? I I'm doing pretty I'm doing pretty well. I did I tell you about? Did I already tell this story about training kids to be altar servers? Uh, yeah, I think so. About like, and one of them told me they watched Rick and Morty. Oh no, maybe not. I, okay, yeah. You've told I me wanna... multiple stories about altar servers. So maybe this is a yeah, one. so I I trained the altar servers. This is, this happened a while ago, but I wanted to talk about it because we mentioned Rick and Morty before the mm-hmm. show started. But mm-hmm. um, one of the one of the kids, I I may have missed my calling to be an elementary school teacher. Like I may have been really good at that. I think you would actually um, be phenomenal. You would you all would be the best principal of an elementary you're so school. You're so right. You're so That's right. Just but the, the, the problem with being a principal is it takes years of practice. It takes and you have to get like a experience. you have to get a masters. Like there's lots education. of education. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. it's it's not it's not worth the time. Um, I'm sure, except for educating the future of America. That's what twitch.tv is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no future of America. Have you seen the deficit? <laughs> anyway, I mean, <laughs> nice. Um, but I, I was, I was helping these, I was helping these kids learn how to be altar servers, and you know, when when you're a when you're a, a younger adult, right? So like the kid, the kids don't know how old people are, you know. No clue. If you if I asked them how old they thought I was, they'd be like forty, you know. <laughs> so they see in a they see a man with a beard who's young and 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 relatively lively and interested in them, right? Mm-hmm. And so like they're they are like you're so cool and again this has nothing to do with my relative coolness it's literally i'm cool in the eyes of a fourth grader and so naturally what they want to do is they want to impress you right you know they want you to see them as a peer you mm-hmm. know which will never happen because they're children mm-hmm. and um one of the kids goes i watch rick and morty <laughs> and i'm like no you don't <laughs> I can tell you right here and right now, no, you are you not allowed. You do. <laughs> I don't care if you have done it. I'm going to tell you right now, you do not watch Rick and Morty. <laughs> you do not watch Rick and Morty <laughs> anymore, okay? I'm I'm not old enough to watch Rick and Morty. There's no way that you're old enough. I'm like, you can't you can't just do that, all right? Yeah. Then one of the other kids goes, I, I do. I, I also watch Family Guy. And I was like, oh, that I believe. And he was like, yeah. what? And I was like, I was like, yeah, you're under the age of 14. <laughs> I love it. And I, like, I told him, I told him, I was like, I thought I was cool when I was your age and watched Family Guy, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't funny. <laughs> like looking back, it just wasn't good. I feel bad for these kids. All they want to do is impress you, and you're just like, you suck. Smack. You're, you're an Smack. idiot. <laughs> Shut up. Stop talking. To I me. want them to have, I want them to have a negative association <laughs> with Rick and Morty and Family Guy. And if that also means they have to have a negative association with me, that's fine. 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 <laughs> Deal with it. Fine. Whatever. I don't it takes. need to be liked by children. Whatever it takes. Um, this reminds me of a similar uh, situation that I had this week. Uh, instead of it being with eight-year-olds, it was with uh, 20 to 22-year-old <laughs> 20, 20 to, 20 to uh, Australian tennis players. I was sitting at the lunch table in the student union with one of my friends who's on the soccer team. He's from England uh, originally, but he grew up in Spain. 
I was just sitting with all internet. It was just amazing. I love I love hanging out with these international guys. It's a so real international space station lunch table here. It really was. And then it was with his friend who's who's from England. And then uh, he's he plays tennis. And then there were the other tennis guys showed up. So three of them were from Australia. And then one of them I think was also from England. But I couldn't really tell because I said, "What's your name?" He said, "Dan." It's like that. Your that <laughs> accent could be that could be anywhere. Like I didn't really get to Dan? talk to him. Dan, like D A N. Yeah, Dan. It's like all right, sweet, nice to meet you. Um, so I was talking to these guys and I don't know what college tennis players talk about. Like, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you of like, I'm with these people. They're not trying to impress me, but I am definitely trying to impress them and, uh, (laughs) win the right to be heard. You know, I want them to think that I'm cool. I want them to come to my Bible studies. I want them to wait, flag me down, you know, and say like, come over here when I'm with my teammates. So they're like, Oh, Ethan, you know, the whole tennis team. It's like, yes, I actually do. Yeah, of course. Um, Cause it's just, you know, I, I am so attached to my middle school view of the world, which is athletes equal cooler than Ethan. And so <laughs> one day I'll let that go. But this is a thing that I learned the, and I don't know if this is a secret. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but everyone in the college tennis world, or even just in the tennis world hates Serena Williams. <laughs> this really? Is, this is something that I had no, I was not privy to. But I was sitting there kind of just in awe as like, cause I think like just for the average athlete, you know, the average person will probably have like one or two thoughts on them and be like, oh yeah, I think LeBron James is good, but he's never going to be as good as Michael Jordan. Sure, uh, yeah, and I, and I, an and I, and I don't like the way that he leads his teams or what, like somebody will have an opinion like that about any popular player in any sort of sport. These guys went on for like 20 minutes, bringing up new arguments about why Serena Williams was the worst. And I was just sitting there like, I had no I idea. Can't. It's, it's, there's so, so often in life, you know, you get a, you, a door opens or a window opens into this world that you never knew existed, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, and, and the, uh, Australian college tennis players hating Serena Williams is a world I never <laughs> thought I would be privy to. Is she from Australia? No. No, she's she from just, here. Well, the thing that kicked it all off is that she made a post or something recently and I don't remember all of the arguments. Um, a lot of them were ad hominem attacks. And so we're, we're going to leave, yeah. leave those aside. <laughs> but the, the thing that started off is that she said that she should be in the conversation for best athlete in the world, including both men and women. Interesting. Uh, which I just, I don't know a lot about sports. And I don't know what we're judging it off of. But I think if you're judging it off of accomplishments and also just pure athleticism, I don't think that she's at the top of the list for either of them. Yeah. Uh, and but that was really upsetting to these men, and so I just got I, to sit I, there. I guess so, yeah. And and listen to them talk about you know how much damage she's doing to the sport of tennis. Uh-huh. Come come back to me next week. This is going to be a tennis cast because I'm just gonna I'm keep going back. I'm gonna keep drinking from this well. And uh, <laughs> I mean, like tennis. If you're gonna judge the best <laughs> athlete in the world, yeah. In terms of athleticism, mm-hmm. how much? does tennis bring to the table in terms of like got to be agile Mm -hmm. you got to be able to hit a ball that's made to go far yeah you know like you got to be able to to, yeah agility is the number one thing speed uh you got to be somewhat springy Um, uh gotta think on your feet but i think just any tennis player you know if you put them up next to an average nfl wide receiver they're gonna (laughs) lose in a foot race you know they're gonna get they're gonna get knocked over (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, but I don't know what we're judging it based off of. So if anybody out there in the crunch land knows about tennis and wants to explain to me how this 
this claim from Serena Williams possibly could be defended and why I can go back to my Australian tennis friends and tell them why they were wrong. Uh-huh. Feel free. What um, I want to know is wh- who is, is there anyone that's actually judging to find out who is the best athlete of all time? I, I mean, people, that's all that, that's half of Twitter. No, no, no. Like cross disciplines. You know what I mean? Right. Well, is that talk really a this. thing? It's it's a conversation. It comes up all the time. Back when I was in the NBA subreddit every single day, this was always a conversation because whenever LeBron would do something amazing, they'd be like, wow, he's the best athlete of all time. People would be like, no, I think this guy's a better athlete. And they'd be like, well, how can you tell? We don't have any videos of him. It's like, well, we've heard this story about what he did. And it's just like people will just it, they'll bring up these like it's like an yeah. old an old seaman. Being like, I saw Wilt Chamberlain touch the top of the backboard, and he was three hundred pounds. It's like, okay, what are you talking about? Um, old, old salty down at the down at the spittoon, yeah, you know, that, saw the best athlete. It's just all these apocryphal tales that will come out about these athletes, and it's I, I mean, like, how could th- that question? There's so many things that go into athleticism that it's yeah. like, how judging that would be like, who has the best body? I don't mean that in like the. <laughs> the body sense but like who i'm what gonna hu- i'm gonna yeah. clip just that part of what you said <laughs> who has the best body who has Thank the you. best body body <laughs> like i mean that in the sense of like whose body has the best as like a machine like what uh-huh. is the who, who has the best muscles and like <laughs> retention even talking about it you're like you sound like you don't even know I'm mad. I'm mad that I'm mad that this uh, that this is even a conversation because what? like you, ca- it'd be like who's the smartest person ever? Who knew the? No, no, no. This is better. Who knew the most things? This that's Thomas like what Aquinas. that's what the question is. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. <laughs> it has to be who it else would it be? <laughs> but he couldn't possibly have known the most things of all time. Uh huh. I think it, it's hard hard to measure, but I think we could measure it. If if we're gonna we, go proportionally. If we got our Thomas parameters Aquinas right, be the most. I, I I I'm reminded of. Uh, something that I heard Curtis Martin was talking about Goliath in the story of David and Goliath. And he mentioned that one time he was in a elevator with Yao Ming. Um, what? And I, yeah, <laughs> this is kind of a funny thing. <laughs> First of all, did they have to open that little door at the top of the elevator for him? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what <laughs> his head was sticking out, but he's like seven foot, yeah. uh, like eight or something like that. He's just yeah. huge. And uh, how do you get an elevator with Yao Ming? And also, how do you get into an elevator, elevator with Yao Ming? With Yao Ming. <laughs> <laughs> Same way you eat an elephant. <laughs> one, one bite at a time. One bite at a time. I, I don't know. Uh, but because we were talking about Goliath, the Goliath, according to the scriptures, is nine feet tall uh, or six cubits in a span. If you want to be. Uh, yeah. If you want to be, be, you know, adhering precise. to the to the way that it, the way it says, which is about nine feet tall. Um, and so, I mean, but, but the thing about Yao Ming, right? This is why I bring up Goliath. Well, bring up Goliath because that was the, the context of hearing about mm-hmm. Yao Ming. Yao Ming was just huge. He wasn't the best athlete. Like he was massive and you couldn't, you couldn't knock that boy over with a pail of water, but like, would he, would he beat you in a foot race? Like his knees are all messed up because his, his body is too big yeah. for his <laughs> joints. Yeah. And so like there's there's a certain point where it's like the biggest and strongest person is no longer the most athletic. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where that line is and I just all this coming back to the fact I don't think Serena Williams rides that line. I just really don't. Yeah, it's like this guy that I follow on Twitter, he like he he squatted a thousand pounds, you know. That's insane. That's a yeah. that's a ton. Yeah. You know? And well it's half a ton. And <laughs> 
And like that guy, like if I was running away from him, mm-hmm. I'm not athletic, but I would probably be able to get away from him. You know? Well, like, I mean, it just depends. Like, are you going downhill? Because guys like that, <laughs> guys like that, sheer momentum. They're like a diesel thing. truck. Like you, yeah. you start them going, and it takes a minute to get them going. But once they're trucking, like <laughs> the smoke's pouring out the top, he's not stopping. And he's like, he's like, I could, I could crush you. <laughs> he just, he just, he just tucks his head in, and he just starts rolling. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, I've never seen good. a man so thick in my life. That guy is like, <laughs> his, his thigh is like two sizes of my head. Like two of my heads could fit in his thigh. It's insane. Sometimes I look at the people around me who work out and they squat, and I look at their thighs, and I'm just like, no way. Like if, if I just happen to trip and fall and you just happen to squeeze your legs together at the wrong moment, my, my head would pop off like a grape. Like it would just be removed from my body, a clean break. Cause it would just, the muscle (laughs) would, would act so quickly and it would, the heat would sear my skin shut. So there would be no blood spreading out of my neck. It would, and my head would just be rolling around being like, wow, Robespierre really knew what he was doing, huh? Like. It would be. I'm. I'm dead. I am I'm so, so I'm dead. So dead. But like my, my <laughs> I got. I got cauterized by that guy's thighs, and it was amazing. <laughs> what a what a way to go, huh? Uh, do you want to go into the hot tech time machine? Yes. Okay. Sounds good. Patrick is writing. I'm writing. Note. I'm writing. I'm writing what we're putting at the end. The, the, oh, okay. The, the, yeah. Well done. Thank you. I don't want to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. What was the most recent joke we made? I'm just going to say that. How dare you? Okay. <laughs> this is my effort to try and not do that. <laughs> I don't think it's about, I would do the exact same thing. It's just I Thank have to you. edit it. And every single time I listen, I'm like, oh, Patrick just picked the most recent thing that we said that was funny. Um, but it's good. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for the affirmation. <laughs> you're, you're doing a great job. I started a new portion of our team meetings called affirmations and apologies um, oh that's so good which you just have free space to affirm anybody that you need to affirm and apologize to anybody you need to apologize and it's actually super that's, great no i, I, I straight up love that i i yeah. wish i i should i'm gonna steal that sometime you should it's really i think the best thing that we do every single week in our team meeting is like it used to just be affirmations but then i added the apologies this week because because yeah, gotta... I, I did some things wrong <laughs> so anyway Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where we take a look back. Well, some of us take a look back because others of us, uh, all of their tweets are stolen from their friends. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) My Hot Take Time Machines, here's the thing, my my Hot Take Time Machines are so time machine that the date, they actually post date. The, the tweet's older because I stole it from someone who uh-huh. posted it earlier. That's the why. only the only reason my tweets are hot is because they swung right by someone's thighs right as they were snapping <laughs> someone's head off, and the heat of the thighs make them real spicy. Uh, so Patrick, I would love to hear your hot take, please. Okay, so um, Maggie, I think one of our patrons sent me a hot take. She sent oh, it to you too. I don't know if yes. you read it. Wait, no. Do you have one like that's just for you? No. Oh. All right then. Carry on. Are you sad? Sorry, I, I don't like doing work when I don't have to. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, 
So this, uh, she sent me a, a, a backstory. So uh, every time she thinks about it, it makes her laugh. Basically, we had an outside cat named Fluffy that got lost. Uh, we think maybe our neighbors took her took her in. So fast forward like two years, I was at a friend's house down the road and they had a stray cat. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my cat. Uh, so naturally, I made a Twitter account about it. And then I took Fluffy home and she eventually ran away no. back to my friend's house. Then my sisters and I were distressed about this and drove around the neighborhood very slowly looking for the cat. We thought I saw we thought we saw our new cat named P Kitty, great, in a yard one street over. Uh, all these cats were white with gray on top of their body. I ran out and grabbed it. We got home and P Kitty was under the carport and we realized this is the real Fluffy and I had just kidnapped her. Um, this is the this is the the tweet. So they tweeted Fluffy the cat. Uh, my name. I'm assuming that Fluffy the cat was. They made a Twitter account for her in 2014. Um, my name is Fluffy and I am lost. They changed it to, I was lost. Uh, 24. So June 16th, 2014, Maggie found me literally the next day, June 17th. I'm lost again. (laughs) And then seven, uh, July 4th, 2014. I'm not really fluffy. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, America. Fluffy, the lost cat. (laughs) Fluffy, the lost cat. Maggie found me. I'm lost. I'm not really fluffy. These the, and she sent pictures of the two different cats, P Kitty and uh, Fluffy. They look they exactly do, the same. They do look exactly the same. My question is: Is why did you buy the exact same kind of cat? <laughs> if you were, I mean, that just seems like a weird. I feel like they come in different colors for this reason. I feel like that's what I, God designed them. My other question is: Is what was the point of starting the Twitter account? Like, were you trying to? Was the cat going to see it and be like, oh, my owners are looking for me. They started this Twitter account, so I'm going to go home. <laughs> no, no, no. Back in 2014, goal? everybody started a Twitter account for everybody. I for made something. a Twitter account for Scout and Max. Really? Yeah. Well, just you, made, for... you made more Twitter accounts per, per capita oh. Than, oh, yeah. than anyone else I've known in yeah. my life. You've uh-huh. made so many. Can and you I list kept off... going. Can you list off all the ones that you've made, please? I can. Okay, so my <laughs> personal account, okay? My Catholic mm-hmm. Anon account, the only one to blow up. All right. Uh-huh. Um, I so made far. one for my high school guidance counselor, your boy, Jack Murphy. My high school guidance It was a sensation, okay? Uh-huh. Everyone uh-huh. loved it. Yeah. Um, I'm here for you. And I made one for Scout. I made one in high school because all my friends were really into Gossip Girl. And so me and my me and Karina made this account, and we like uh, we faked it so that everyone would think that it wasn't Karina, but it was. It was her and me the whole time. Uh-huh. Um, it was classic. I made one for my friend named Logan called Logan Quotes. I I gotta I gotta pull up Logan Quotes because yeah, this is deep. the kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff he would say. What what we need is the hot take time machine does not need to be limited to just our tweets. You're from right. our main twitter account you have so much content available at your fingertips and you're like oh i don't have anything i'm gonna steal the hot take that the user submitted that ethan was gonna use Uh, you were gonna use that yeah dang it that's all right when Um, see we've now we've discovered now we've stumbled onto this now we've stumbled onto logan quotes okay one following eight followers um one time he said isn't demi lovato black (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah he he had some he had some good ones and then i could i could never remember the password and i didn't know the email that i used to sign it up with and so it died so now but it's it's still alive 
it's still there. Soccer is a women's instrument. All right. What are we? What is that? Someone even? said the violin is a women's instrument, and he must have must, and he responded, <laughs> so, soccer, "Soccer is a women's, is a women's instrument." instrument. <laughs> <laughs> he played the violin. I don't know if you. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. I figured that out. That's funny. Oh man! Shout out Logan. <laughs> You can cut you can cut all the ones that aren't funny and slash oh, inappropriate. Yeah. Oh yeah, I will. I want... in ten years every social media is gonna look exactly the same. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. I just was gonna say I want desperately to know what your topic is. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. I forgot I had the topic for this week. So <laughs> That's a good that's I... a good thing to say right before we jump into the topic for the podcast. Listen, this is part of our branding, okay? Yeah, that's fair. Our branding is ineptitude and everyone loves it. Um, no one knows that secretly we're actually really like apt and like able to do a lot of different stuff it's just yeah people think we're inept but we're really actually very apt (laughs) (laughs) people do think we be it but we're not we really do be apt hey thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch sorry to interrupt what i'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation but i wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors we will be back right after this The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, so the, the thing that I want to talk about, I don't know if I specifically want to talk about the person involved. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's cool. fine. That was a joke S- earlier. Sweet. Yeah. So, cause like everybody's on their own thing, but anyway, recently in my forays into Instagram. So I, I, I've oh. tried, I've been on Instagram and, uh, I'm starting to realize that it's pretty much exactly like Twitter, but with, with more butts, um, yeah. not a big fan. No. Uh, so I don't know. I, like, I, I literally asked Phoebe this. I was like, Phoebe, when you go on your search on your Instagram explore page, does it show you reels of scantily clad women? And she said, no. And I was like, okay, because mine does. And I don't understand why it does that. Yeah. And I think it's because I am a man. (laughs) You're a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And they just assume that's what I want to see. Right. And so I can't go on reels because the only reels they show me are yeah. Also, how do they how do they have technology that knows when videos show? That's insane. How do they have technology that knows you're a man? <laughs> They've had that for a while. How it's do they figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway, so I've been the other thing that's on Instagram. I've been like on like a Christian, you know. Instagram pages and like seeing what people are talking about on sure. this Christian Instagram page. And I, I, I came across something that I wasn't aware of until I did that. And it was something called deconstruction. Did you end up looking it up? I've, I've heard about it before. This is okay. not the, the first time I've, I've dipped my toes into this water. I've mostly heard it from, from Protestants, specifically even former evangelicals, non-denominational, et cetera. Right. Uh, and, but I've also heard it from Catholics and deconstructing Catholicism and all this. And I, a friend of mine was talking about it 
and he's the only person who I've seen talk about it in a way that makes me go like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. But from what I've seen, it seems to be a trend, especially among Christians our age. And it's almost this thing that you're expected to go through, like a second conversion among deconstruction Mm. circles. Or it's like, if you were raised in the church, you have to go through a deconstruction in order for you to be like a full Christian. Huh. Um, I don't know if you know the history of the word. Uh, I would assume that it means, originally it meant to take a building apart. Take a building <laughs> apart. So literary deconstruction is when instead of looking for the meaning in the text, you just assume the text has no meaning. Hmm. Um, and, and it sounds very postmodern. Yes, it's extremely postmodern, and I and that's why it worries me because I don't want there. I don't want. I don't want philosophy to inform our Christianity. I want Christianity to inform our philosophy, right? Like yeah. I, I think we're yeah. getting it backwards. I want because it's like again, I, I should say it better. I, I don't want philosophy to inform the way we see truth. I want truth to be the way we see our philosophy, right? Yes. Uh, and deconstruction from what i've seen begins with deconstructing ideas like the bible inerrancy and the inerrancy in the bible so like this, these are christians so like don't say that they're not yeah but they they believe in christ but they're like the bible is not infallible hmm. um they they deconstruct they deconstruct scripture traditions mm-hmm and the church, the existence yeah. of the church. So yeah. like, what is the church and, and why does it exist? And I think the purpose of this is a very understandable impulse to distance yourself personally from corruption and uh, organizations that you see as inept, if we, to use a word that we already used. Nice. <laughs> um, I understand that. It's like I I want I don't want to be associated with the church, so I'm going to form a system for myself where I don't I can be a Christian and not have to be a member of a church mm-hmm. or believe in the church itself. Um, do you see this in any of your students? Because hmm. I, I think, don't. My kids are not. You know, they're not philosophers. You're, they're not deconstructing anything. Yeah, you're a group of kids. Uh, I I see it sometimes. But more so, I see people post their deconstruction and they end up in the Baptist student ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, But that's not necessarily 100% true all of the time. I think people will be born into Catholicism or like Methodist or something that's a bit more liturgical and ritualistic. And they'll get to college and realize like, oh, I can go to the fun church that has social events and all of the cute girls go to that one and i can just go and like listen to some guy talk for 20 minutes and then sing praise and worship music for 30 minutes and then talk to like all the most popular kids on campus after the fact um so i don't know if it's necessarily an intentional deconstruction i just think that like people leave those things because of the social aspect of it um but i also think that it like, I mean, Protestantism inherently is some kind of deconstruction of... That's true, yeah. Like, the... like, But but instead of deconstructing scripture and everything, like, they'll pick... Like, for example, like, the, the people that I talk to most often, they've picked scripture as the thing that they will never deconstruct, ever. 
And let, so there, I'm going to start from that basis and I'm going to deconstruct the church and the sacraments and, uh, authority and tradition and all that stuff coming from this basis of scripture as being the ultimate authority, rather than if you're a complete deconstructionist, you'll come from the authority of yourself being the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, but then you end up with weird things like, okay, well, how come you disagree with other Protestants who have also similarly deconstructed with the basis of scripture? And they'll say, well, there's primary doctrines and secondary doctrines and tertiary doctrines. And it's like, well, where did you get that from? And it's like, well, uh, it just kind of makes the most sense. It's like, okay, interesting, fine. fine. You know, so I, that's so how do you more tell of the, which one is which, right? That's more of the, yeah. <laughs> the, the brand that I see, uh, rather than like, but cause the people that are completely like distance themselves from any kind of organized religion, but still claim to be Christian, but like, don't believe in scripture or anything like that. I just don't see those people cause they're like, I mean, maybe I'll run into them when I'm out meeting people on campus, but they're not, they're not coming to church and they're not coming to the, even the Protestant churches that are on campus that I sometimes go to. Like they're, they're off doing their own thing. And I just don't know where, where do they gather? Cause if they have a church, doesn't that mean that they've constructed something? Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, so I don't see it too much, but carry on with, with more of your thoughts. Yeah. And it, it's, I don't, I don't know if this is coming from a place of like, it's something that just bothers me. I, and it's, it's something else I've seen. This person that I follow talks about like fake, like rules that are fake. So it's like, uh, you have to, um, you have to want to have kids. Like that's a fake rule. You don't have to want to have kids. Like there's fake rules. Like you have to, there's okay. So there are real fake rules like that. You have to, that, uh, real fake rules. That's funny. Real fake doors. Um, <laughs> you can't, you have to get married young. Okay. Mm-hmm, that's a mm-hmm. fake rule that she's like, I disagree with that. Um, I think another fake rule is you have to get married old when you've already lived your life quote unquote i think that's a fake rule that i've heard people tell me you know it's like that's there's no there's not a rule on that um but there you have to be careful because that deconstruction can turn into you don't have to get married um and that's true to some extent if you don't get married you're not a failure but it's like your body was built for this like you you as a human person were built for relationship and you were built for total sacrifice of yourself um the myth, the myth that she talked, that this girl talks about is like, oh, well, I don't have to, um, I don't have to want kids right now. That's true. As a 20 year old, you do not have to want kids. But again, that can quickly turn into, I never want kids and mm-hmm. I'm never going to want kids. And I don't, I'm actually not going to ever have kids. Um, there's something in there's I, and I'm not saying this as someone who's had kids, obviously I don't, I don't have kids. But I know, like philosophically and intellectually, that having kids makes you a better person. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 part of your human formation as a lay person, just as a person, yeah, to like bear children. Like pro- it it makes you care more about the world that you're leaving <laughs> behind. Just more so than like you can you can say that you want to be a person that you're a person who cares about the world, but until you've got a stake in that world, like. Yeah a person that I love is going to live here. God willing, after I'm gone, I want this world to be better. And I think if more people had slash cared about their kids, the world would be a better place because they're like, I want to leave it for my children. As opposed to just talking about the children, Mm. you know, we are the world. Yeah. It's like, you got to think about the children. children. If, if, if everybody had children that they cared about, again, that's the, that's the problem. If everybody had, had children that they like took care of, no one would ever have to say, think about the children because everybody would be thinking about their children. Right. You know, the people who actually made decisions in our world, that's why kings weren't priests. 
They had families because they were supposed to care for the nation that their kids were going to inherit. Okay. Um, so again, like there, there are structures in the world that you cannot deconstruct. Kind of like we talked about this with, with the, um, the BLM movement and like the right. deconstructing the family or like, uh, I mean, you can, family. you can deconstruct the nuclear family. There's just, yeah. you just can't really... deconstruct the family. Yeah. Because it's I mean, a biological right. necessity. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't get rid of it but you can functionally remove everything that makes a family a family, you know? Fair enough, yeah. So, like, in in a in an awful totalitarian world that's maybe going to happen soon, um, it's very possible that, democratically, very possible that uh, you can inseminate a woman artificially. Um, she can have the child. It can be so that she never sees the child and the child is raised in isolation from her mother. Um, and the state like owns the child or what, like, I don't know how exactly that would work, but like, mm-hmm. um, or I mean, abortion is the same thing, right? It's like the yeah. state decides, you know, we'll just, we'll just kill this. Um, and so this is in the future. I'm not saying this is what happens now, but like, yeah, there, there are ways in the future where the family could become deconstructed by the state. Uh, whereas you like, all you need for men is for them to put semen in a test tube and all you need from women is for them to allow you to put the semen from the test tube into them. And then you can take the children and do whatever you want with them. And the woman can go on living her life and the men can go on living their lives and no one has any obligation to each other. Um, cause everyone's contracepting. Like that's like, that's the, the end result of deconstructing the family. And like, so no, you can't get rid of the necessity of a man and a woman and a child, but you, I mean, I don't think that picture sounds very lurid, uh, yeah. but is it really that far away? You know, and that, that's like, I think I think that that's like the Orwellian mm-hmm. result. You know, even though yeah. 1984 they did have families, but um, I think that's functionally something that happens. Yeah. Um, in essence, I mean that's what a ward of the state is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's like you can't get rid of the biological reality of a family. You can get rid of right. the social structure. And that's the thing. It's like there. So, but I think what happens is there's a, there's a, a, a generation or two of people who don't understand social structures. Um, and they didn't hand on these traditions and social structures. And so like one, I mean, we know from scripture, all it takes is one generation, not handing things on for the next generation to suck. Have you read the book of Judges? I literally just did that in Bible study yesterday. Yeah, about the Bible how, in the air is going through it right now, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. About the, the end of Joshua. It's like, everyone serves the Lord. Yay, Judges And he's like, too. you're a witness against yourselves. And they're like, we're right. a witness against ourselves. It's ourselves. <laughs> we're going to serve the Lord. Yay, Judges chapter 2. And then there rose up a generation that did not know the Lord and served Baal. And it's like, come on, we didn't, even make, on. It. We didn't even make it 40 years. Like, Jeez. what's the deal? Yeah. Well, it, okay, yeah. so... This is the question, right? Because I don't think that the solution lies entirely in sociology. Um, I tend to distrust the social sciences. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Stevie. I tend to distrust uh, Ethan, Ethan's new book. I tend to Ethan's distrust the social sciences. Yes. Uh, pay for it right now. Um, when we're talking about church, in the same way that there's a biological reality of the family, there is a, a spiritual reality of what the church is because it is the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You cannot deconstruct the body of Christ. Yeah. And this is the problem is we, all these churches like, we're going to get back to the roots. We're going to be an acts two church. It's like, okay, why? Like <laughs> you let's like, it, cause if we believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that he resurrected from the dead 
and that the church is his body, as it is referred to in the New Testament by Paul multiple times, um, then to say that the church at some point like stopped being the living body of Christ and started being dead, essentially, and we can just get rid of that carcass and and start up our own, like that's what are you saying to Christ in effect? You know, you're saying that I didn't actually believe you when you said that you were alive and that this is your body and that I can be a part of it. Um, even if I'm just an eyelash, you know, like I can be yeah. a part of the body of Christ and they're like in the same way that you can't separate the fact that like you need to have a mother and a father in order to create a child, no matter how it looks like you have to have those two. Like you can't separate the fact from like in order to be the church, you have to be, the bride of Christ. You have to be the body of Christ. These are integral realities to it. Yeah. And there's a lot of damage that happens. Like if you do damage to the body of Christ, like just how you do damage to the family and people don't think about that because all they're thinking about is like what you're saying is I have to separate myself from these structures. It works in business. Steve jobs didn't want work for IBM. He didn't like the structure that existed. So he created his own structure. And so we see that and we see how hyper, capitalistic our society is and how business oriented it is and how everything is inspired by business even the way we run our parishes <laughs> so then we're like oh i'll just do what i'll just do what jeff bezos did i'm gonna do just for jeff i'm gonna make a church just like jeff did and and then it's awful and then it doesn't work yeah it, and then you have your pastor getting embroiled in sex abuse scandals and it's like well I thought we were trying 20, to get away from this. 20 years but, later, Pastor So-and-So is crying on the evening news. I have gravely sinned. That was a Jimmy yeah. Swaggart reference for all of those. Pretty good. In on Jimmy Swaggart. Jimmy Swaggart. Jimmy Swaggart's Bible College. He, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he did a thing. Really? Yeah. You know, you know, that, you know that Jimmy Swaggart sex abuse scandal that everyone talks about for decades? No. Yeah, uh, exactly. He was, anyway. he was big, big <laughs> anti-Catholic back in the, uh, in yeah, the 80s. So yeah. he had more in common with Catholics in the eighties than he thought anyway. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Woo! okay. Oh, so it was quick. Yeah. That's, moving what they on. Call me. That's what they call him. Patrick, the, the Viper Nevy. Cause he just they, s- strikes. You yeah. Know? You, that's, I've always thought of you as a, as a Viper. Nobody's safe. But anyway, but <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And, and it's, it's valued in being, being a structure breaker is valued in business. I think in the same way that being a being a status quo breaker is um in a similar way it is valued in the church right like when the church is very slow and and stagnant you need a saint francis to shake things up you know mm-hmm. um but the way that he does that is different than the way steve jobs does it for instance right. uh um francis gives his clothes to the poor he doesn't uh uh enslave people in bangladesh <laughs> to make the clothes for him um <laughs> You see, there's a difference. And there is a difference, but they're, <laughs> but they're going after the same thing. Exactly. They're going after you know? a breaking up. They're going after a, ch- a structural change. And structural yeah. change is important, but it does not require deconstruction. Because mm-hmm. this is something that I see at my parish. I could come in and say, hey, we're going to do small groups. And the women's group that meets, no, 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 you're now a small group. And we're going to create this new structure or i could build small groups out of the women's group because they already meet so i could just you know build on that foundation right Mm -hmm. um what's funny is that for some reason we approach development of doctrine differently and development of the church differently than we than we approach development of other ways of knowing truth 
like science. People don't deconstruct science. People don't deconstruct people deconstruct history, I guess. But like people don't deconstruct science. Why why not, Ethan? Because science is God. Science is God, yeah. Well also because it's really hard it's, it's really, really hard, hard to like you to can't do just science. Say, like, yeah, well you just look at it and be like, all right, they concluded that the the Higgs boson particle or whatever was here before. I'm just gonna be like, no. Like that's what you have to come to. You should be like, no, it's it's not. Yeah. Because or, or just undo every like just the the even fundamental idea of doing research and making conclusions based on hypotheses that are either proven or disproven. You can't deconstruct that because it's 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 logical and it's step by step. But because it's not a science itself, and like the industry around science is a structure. Mm-hmm. And the journals and the research and the funding and all of that stuff is a structure. So like you can decon- deconstruct that all you want, but the actual act of I think this, I'm going to do this research to research whether or not this is true, and I'm going to conclude this based on this amount of research and this amount of testing. Uh, I mean, it's just step by step. So in theory, I mean, if you're starting from a fundamental principle of God created the universe and has revealed Himself to us throughout all of history. If that's your starting principle and you follow everything logically, you can't really deconstruct the church. Uh, but if you're only looking at the structure that exists, you're like, okay. And this is a problem, like you were saying, for for Catholics as well, going into parish life, understanding that the temptation is looking around at us, looking at the fact that mass attendance for all of Catholics in America is right around like 12% <laughs> or something, yeah, 10%. Bishop, bishops are like, bishops like, I'm sorry, because of coronavirus, uh, your capacity is at 50%. And I've been like, ha, sucker, we've been at 50% for the last two decades. Take that. <laughs> That's a self-own. <laughs> it's, pre- yeah, it's pretty tough. But the, yeah. the thing is, is we're, we're, we're getting into the single digit percentile of people who actually attend mass regularly. Yeah. Uh, and we're we're getting into the lower and lower percentiles of, I mean, I think we have, for youth ministry, and this might not be true, but I think they're getting more and more entrenched in the culture. And so in the four, t- four years that you have with, with high school kids, it's getting harder and harder and harder to lead them to a genuine conversion with experience with Christ yeah. and then help them build a life of virtue. Like that's just getting more and more difficult uh, to be able to do that. And the amount of time that you get to spend with them is, is already limited because of, you know, safe environment stuff. Um, so there's just like all these other problems that are, that are, so it's easy to come into a parish and be like, okay, the youth ministry is not going great. Nobody's coming to mass. Nobody's signed up for adoration hours. Uh, uh, the priest gives limp biscuit homilies, um, <laughs> homilies about limp biscuit exclusively. <laughs> I was going to say limpid, but I didn't know if that was a sexual term. No, uh, no, no. Limp biscuit works great. Okay. I'm trying limp, to think of a good Limp Biscuit song. I don't think there are any. Uh, there's, <laughs> That's a good Limp Biscuit burn, Ethan. Thanks, Anyway, dude. go on. <laughs> so there's a problem with the priest. There's a problem with the mass. There's a problem with this. It's be easy to walk in and be like, what we need to do is blank. And that's yeah. the, I think that's the fear of, that I have of all of these like programs and everything. It's like, it's because it's, we're trying to take a system or we're trying to just Protestantize it just for a minute and then we'll make it Catholic again. And, not that the Protestants have bad ideas. Like they've got plenty mm-hmm. of good ideas about how to run things. And I think we should take that. But again, it's what exactly what you're saying of we need to come and bring more elements of truth into what we are doing and bring more elements of truth into the church rather than, oh, I know better than everything that's been going on here. So what I'm going to do is 
get rid of all of it and pretend like this institution hasn't existed for, I mean, the individual parish has probably existed for over a hundred years, depending on where you're at. And then the, the church itself has existed for thousands of years. So it's like, are we appealing yeah. to, are we appealing to what's come before us? And are we looking at the example of the saints and the holy men and women of the church? Or are we seeking the wisdom of the world, which just wants to deconstruct everything, even to the point of like deconstructing music and art. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't, just doesn't work. I mean, like it, on, on, on the topic of, you know, Protestantizing church ministry. I mean, if you look at the purpose driven church book or the purpose driven series, mm-hmm. Rick Warren, who created Saddleback church in Southern California. Okay. That's where this church is. All right. Wow. He built a, such a successful church in Southern California. You know, it's like, and he came up with these five, um, purposes of the church and it's, uh, ministry worship evangelization discipleship and um service no 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 no. that's ministry okay okay. let me let me go from bottom to top again evangelization worship fellowship discipleship ministry that's what fellowship bottom to top yeah fellowship and like all those words are you know christian buzzwords we've heard a billion times and it's like yeah those Mm -hmm. are all those are all good things that the church does etc etc um but the way that he the way he took those purposes and put them into action was he went door to door and asked people in wealthy neighborhoods, what do you want in a church? And then he went and <laughs> built that church and then the church succeeded because duh. Yeah. You know? Right. And so like, yeah, sure. We can take, we can take Rick Warren's principles, you know, of like, Hey, you can find ministry and discipleship and fellowship and evangelization in the Bible. You can, but you can't do that. And like I, I, I've been reading. I read Rebuild and I read Divine Renovation recently. And like mm-hmm. Divine Renovation is very much like let's build on what's good here. Let's bring in some good things. And Rebuild, while it's good, it's very much like it's it's actually kind of deconstructy. It's a mm. little deconstruction. It's like, well, do we have to, um, like, do we have to have this kind of music? You know, like, does, is, are these, are these structures necessary? And I, I, I fear that a pastor that's a little too lackadaisical of what Rebuilt says would end up just becoming Saddleback Church. Sure. Um, yeah. The, cause you don't see in the gospels, right? God coming to the Israelites, knocking on doors and being like, what kind of savior do you want? <laughs> Like, that's not what he does, because then we would get, like, a God who's 80 feet tall and is really good looking and is going to let us do whatever we want and is also going to become the king for just the Jews. And <laughs> everyone else is going to die is what <laughs> is what they is what they would have picked, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, and I mean, I don't blame him. I probably would have said the same thing. Like, I want a guy who's, who's good. He's going to let me do the hey, fun Your name's stuff. Ethan. You would have fit. You'd have fit right in. Yeah, I got that Hebrew. That's a Hebrew, Hebrew name. Hebrew name. Someone said to me the other day on campus, he said, what's your name? I said, Ethan. He said, oh, is that uh, uh, Scottish? I said, no, it's Hebrew. And he said, oh, the Scottish must have taken it then. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that from? <laughs> he must have had a Scottish friend named Ethan. I don't know. It must have. That's uh, so funny. That that sounds like a joke. It, no, it was a real. It was he's He was a really old guy. He was like an old janitor who was just trying to connect uh, with me. The Scottish must have taken it then. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. He also, in that same conversation, he told me about how all of the religions are are equally true, and how he believes he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Did I tell you about this already? No. Oh, he he's a Christian, but he believes that everybody, everybody's true. All wow. of it's true. Yeah. I was like, dang. Anyway, so they all must really appreciate that you think that. I know. They every it's like 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 Muslims walking up to him like thank you, thank you thank for you. finally saying it. Jews, thank they're you. like they're like we love it. Thank you. We love it. Love it. He's coexisting like a king. I know. I'm sorry. He's I a... should be more charitable. That's okay. Uh, My but, favorite uh, part about the coexist sticker is it lets literally the bare minimum. Like coexisting is literally the bare minimum, and it also let's I, all live I, at the same time. Yeah, let's all live at the same time. That's been that's been the case forever. Okay. Yes. And uh, my other least favorite part is that it um it puts the onus of peace on religions as if we were the problem and not those two world wars, um, those religiously motivated world wars, right? Uh, I I just don't understand how anyone can look at the 20th century and be like, man, we really got to get rid of religion. Like that's that's the that's the real problem. There, not there was treaties. someone. There was someone in the 20th century who said, we really got to get rid of religion. And, uh, it was a specific religion. (laughs) Wait, no, no, no. We can't, we can't do the Hitler thing. That's not allowed. It was also Stalin too. He didn't like religion very much. I know, but he was less, he was more just, just so any, any enemy of the state is going into the gulag. (laughs) It just happened to be every single religion. So Stalin gets a, gets a pass because he was, uh, less targeted in his approach. Better mustache too. Better mustache. If we're going to talk about dictatorial mustaches, it's Pol Pot, Stalin, Hitler, in that order. And then Mao at the bottom, because, like, what's he doing? What's he doing? He's got anyway. a mustache on his head. All right. What was, I was saying something really profound, I feel like, and now where are we? Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're so gone from where we were. It doesn't matter. Uh, you guys get the gist of what we're saying. Uh, God didn't God didn't ask us to pick what kind of savior we wanted, so we shouldn't pick what kind of church we want. And because if we believe that the church is the body of Christ and if that's really real, then I don't know, that's, you can change businesses and you can change structures and governmental structures and there's valid room for a wiggle on that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to these things, it just, if you know someone who's like, I really think we should get back to the roots or I really think that we should get back to what the early church was like. And I don't really believe everything that's in scripture because of this, this, and this. Don't be afraid to dig into that with them and be like, why do you think that we can just get yeah. rid of this? What makes you think that we can just abandon longstanding structures and institutions? Because um, it's probably some kind of cultural bias they have against longstanding institutions and structures, which funnily enough, the culture today does not enjoy people having uh, biases against certain things. And so you can say like, why, what's the deal? You know, why are you, why are you biased against this? Why do you, why do you hate this? Uh, you have no proof. You have no evidence. You're racist against the church. That won't get you far. That won't get you far. The response will be, it's okay because the Catholic church is powerful and you can't be prejudiced against powerful things. I know, but that's not true. It's not true. That's not true. That's, that's like those news all. stories. That's not that's everyone like, hated the president of the United States for four being years. Being Catholic. Yeah. In when he was, when he was being elected president, there was, if you guys watch the, watch the Irishman, there was, um, there were Italian rights activists mm-hmm. because Italians were being discriminated against. It's like, it's, th- we, we are, our, our historical memory, memory is very shallow and we don't actually understand. And it's not, it's not, Hey, now, because it's true. Like Italians and Irish people are not being discriminated against now. So we don't have a reason to complain about the past, but what it does do is it makes us forget the depths to which the human person can 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 stoop when it comes to discrimination and and like we we have to recognize like 
hey, we may have biases and prejudices that are bad. Even if we're even if we're woke about other prejudices. Um, yeah. Speaking on tradition, talking about tradition, Hugh of Saint Victor, okay, mm. has such a great quote in his treatise on um, on confession. Nerd alert. And he says, "This is how he starts off his treatise on confession." Great is the malice of man. Mm. No one, when he wishes to act evilly, seeks authority. But when we tell men that they should do good deeds and that they should confess their sins, they say, give us authority. What scripture orders us that we confess our sins? If scripture does not command us to confess our sins, answer now, since you have scripture, what sins it orders us to keep silent. If you do not wish to confess because you have no authority for confessing, confessing, why do you wish to keep silent when you have no authority to keep silent? Pretty good. Yeah, right? It's like why you want authority when when the word of God contradicts you, but you mm-hmm. don't want to, you don't care that it doesn't confirm your your wrongdoing. And so this is, you sh- we should deconstruct ourselves. I think that's the thing. We should deconstruct our own because we are not, we are not the standard by which we measure Yeah. Reality. And I think the, the word we should use is, uh, humiliate like we need to humiliate ourselves and let let go of all of the things that we're trying to keep for ourselves and give them all over to God and allow the mind of Christ and the mind of the church to form us instead of me bringing like what you're saying about philosophy and truth at the very beginning like I'm going to bring what I know to the church yeah it's like if you think about that sentence for a second thank you <laughs> it sounds kind of the church is like you're so nice Thank you. You're I so really sweet. appreciate it. But, it's like when but, a kid makes a mud pie. But have you read Bede? <laughs> the Venerable Bede. The Venerable Bede. Can we do the hot take? Not the hot take. The, the, the Dr. Ethan. Can we get into the Dr. Ethan's dating corner? Of course. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's it's not, I, 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 I... All right. You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. Dear Dr. Ethan, MD. Oh, by the way, did we do the update with the guy who wanted to know if we should call? He should call and ask the girl out. Uh, no. Did we? Hello there. I'm the guy who was hesitant in calling a girl over the phone to ask her out. I heard the cast the day it came out. You both agreed I should just call her and ask her out. I took your advice, and later that day, I told her I wanted to take her on a date when she got back in town, and she said yes. And you were Woo! right. It hasn't been weird at all in the texting conversations. Absolutely not. You guys are flirting up a storm. I bet. Good job. Well done. Uh, well, done well done, gentlemen. Yeah, guys, we did it. We did it. We did it, boys. Another That's like success. one of our th- one of our three successes that we've had on this podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, come on. We've been doing this for a while. I, I'm anyone, surprised that we haven't. Has had anyone talked to Eliezer lately? Ah, oh, poor guy. How's he doing? He's not. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's not, not listening. Well. Uh, dear yeah. Doctor Ethan, MD. So I'm in line for confession, and I strike up a conversation with the person behind me. She seems to be a good person, and is beautiful. By the time we start talking, I was already next in line to confess. Before there was a good opportunity to ask her out, it was my turn. I like how he's like, I'm gonna ask her out. I like this guy. Nice. I figured I could meet up with her after confession and ask. After I did my penance, I noticed she was in the church. I didn't want to interrupt her prayer, but I also was in a time crunch and could not stay. In our conversation, he put the emphasis on crunch, not me. In our conversation, I learned she goes to the same university, so there's a chance we'll see each other again, but it's a big university. I feel like I made too many excuses to not just ask her out. What say you? I mean, we can't really give advice here because you just, you, you really, you really missed it. 
you know, yeah, like you, you were you, there. Yeah. The ball was the ball was in your hands. It was a fast break. There yeah, was, was no one. There was no one at the other end of the court. You had the wide open dunk, and you 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 hit the rim. You and the ball went flying into the stands, and everyone laughed. Can you use a theology metaphor? You were about to. You were about to <laughs> conjugate a Latin verb, and you biffed it. <laughs> I was going to say something like you were about to establish the correct uh, Christology for the rest of the world to understand two persons, one nature. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> that's and that's what happened. That's what you said. You said yeah. two persons, one nature. Um, Jesus was not anyway. two people and he had two natures. <laughs> I know. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, so he was, it was one person, two natures, but anyway, I'm not saying this that you should you feel bad about yourself, but in the future, if if you really want to ask a girl out, and the only time you have to ask her out is when she's doing, she can finish her penance anytime, right? Like, just go up, be like, "Hey, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Do you want to go on a date?" And if she says no, like, "Get away from me, creepo," then you know, then it's like, "All right, it's fine. We'll probably Big never university. see each other again." Big university. Uh, but if she says yes, she'd be like, oh, thank goodness he interrupted my prayer to talk to me. I was hoping to talk to him after Matt. Like, she's thinking like, man, I wish I would have seen that guy, you know? Yeah. And I think in general, unless uh, this is not, this is not like if you're in a time crunch and the only time you have to ask out this girl is while she's praying and you have no, other, you know, you don't know next time you're going to see her. I just, just do it. Just interrupt her. Yeah, and like just, if if it was like if she was like in the adoration chapel and she was like really deep in prayer, I wouldn't be like, hey, yeah, no. But no, she's no, no, just no. doing her three hail marys. You got the same right. penance she did. We all know that. Everybody know knows that. that three hail marys. You know. Yes. Um. Regardless of, never mind. We're not gonna talk about that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should ask her out. It's okay though. Listen, it's if okay. It's meant to be. Don't don't let the next chance pass you by, man. Exactly. Don't the thing do you it. You can do now is you can say a prayer to God and be like, Lord, if it is your will. Bring her into my path again soon. Lord, please. And God actually listens to those prayers and will like do it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> that's you do the this. thing. You, you it's know not like wishing. God. It's not like yeah. posting on Craigslist misconnections. You know, God will do it um, <laughs> if he wants you to do it. Be like, dearest Lord, I am sorry I biffed it. Uh. <laughs> this, is, this has helped me recognize my own weakness and my own poverty. I entrust you now to provide for me this, this lady. There it is. <laughs> That's what you do. That's what you pray. And he, he loves that. He loves that you recognize that you're failing and you're bringing it to him, that you trust him with more things. Uh, we got one other. We can save it for next week if you want. Is it good? Um, it's, it is good. But she said, don't read it on the podcast because I have to. Oh, the question is basically, um, can guys and girls be friends in college? Essentially. No. I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> I just wanted to say the worst. I wanted to say her worst fear. This fear. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, they can. Yeah. Uh, there's there's lots of things because it's she wanted she doesn't want me to read it, and so she just wants me to paraphrase. Okay. Uh, she's a sophomore in college. Um, they they so yeah she, she had some guy friends and they kind of cut her off. She does, wants to know if it was her fault, um, or if it was unfair of her to think that they could just be friends. Like, were they expecting more and that she didn't give them more, and then they cut her out? Like, so she's kind of dealing with the pain of that um, and just wondering what we will think slash joke about. <laughs> um, 
I mean, is she in a situation? I'm asking you for clarification so the audience sure. knows because you're the doctor. Sure. Obviously, I'm looking for your prognosis. But um, did these? Is this a group of guys that she was hanging out with who this then is, cut her out? Yeah, this is not a group of guys, but she was she was friends. She like thought that guys and girls could be good friends, and then out of nowhere, the guy is just like, "Hey, we can't hang out anymore because guys and girls can't be friends." That's is like is the situation that she's found herself. He said that. Yeah. Oh, was it this group? Was it a group of guys and no other women and her? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's unclear. Okay. Cause if you're just, if your only friends are a group of guys, it may be time for you to branch out and find other friends as well. Yeah. Just in terms of, cause like you can't, you can't be close and intimate friends with men the same way you can be with women. As a yeah, woman. and if if it if that is the situation that's true, then those guys probably at some point realize like, man, we're spending a lot of time with this girl. We need to go hang out just with guys. Yeah, and like that's probably just what the guys thought, and it was probably wasn't anything more than that. But if it wasn't that situation, it was a whole group, and these particular men stopped being friends with you. Then I mean, at a certain point, there's nothing you can really do about it. Yeah, uh, if they decide they don't want to be your friend, then they don't want to be your friend, and it's probably nothing on you you're probably a wonderful person you're listening you got great, great taste in podcasts obviously yeah. uh obviously yeah so i th- there's lots of advice that we could say about this but you can't have deep intimate friendships with men who you are not dating uh because it just won't go well one of you will get attached and the other one won't be attached or will not want to be attached and they won't want the commitment and it'll be bad and so have friends have acquaintances hang out have a group of friends but your close, close friends should be of the same gender until you're married. <laughs> and then in that case. And then your yeah. other close friends should be of the same gender, especially since you're married. What? Like you should, your closest oh, yes, friend, yeah, yes, yes, your yes, closest yes, friends should be the same gender until you get married. Then it's your wife or husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your other close friends should be of the same gender. Should be, exactly. Like I, I was, I mean, Teresa's is a great example. We were, we were close in college. We are not as close anymore. You know? Yeah. It's like, cause after you get married, that distance has to shift, you know? Right. I had a, I had a female friend in college that texted me today. She was like, Hey, you know, just, I didn't get to save the date. What's the, what's the day of your wedding? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, Oh, sorry. I didn't make it. This is the date. She was like, yeah, me and my boyfriend want to come. I was like, you have a boyfriend. She's like, yeah, we've been dating for five months. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I had no idea. Like we were super close in college. I had yep. no clue because yep. like, it's just not, not a part of my life. And they, neither of us are sad about that because we're friends. We love each other. We care about them. Care about each other, but you just can't stay up to date on everything. It's so you got to think long term. With like in college, yeah. things are different because everyone's kind of an animal. Uh, but then after college, it, it just changes, and so <laughs> and you're also in walking your, distance from everybody you know. Yeah, prepare yourself for that. <laughs> uh, but you didn't do anything wrong. You're doing great. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Patrick, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> so we <laughs> we gotta finish this up. Oh man, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I got nothing else. What do you got? Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash the crunch cast. Patreon.com slash the crunch. Hit us up and we'll, uh, we got two people on board for the Bible cast. Yes, it's coming. Summer it's 2021. Coming. Summer 2021, we got the Bible cast I'm going. literally, I'm, I'm listening to audiobooks about Genesis 1 to get ready for wow. this. Wow. That's impressive. I'm not going to have anything ready for the rest of the chapters, but I'm going to, for <laughs> sure, Genesis 1 is going to be great. Oh man, I'm going to pull out everything I got. Oh, wonderful you're gonna yeah. make me look like a fool I'll, how much i owned you today because of the tweet you're gonna own me in the bible cast, <laughs> yeah, while you while you were tweeting about 
about Triduum. I was studying Triduum. Oh, <laughs> I boy. studied the blade. Uh, Emma, you're on the podcast. Hang up if you don't want to be on it. I love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great reference. She doesn't understand. I know. It was pretty good. All right. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? We got thighs that cauterize. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week.